Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Today, I am so pleased to have Scott Duncan with us. Uh, on shooting at Ross. Scott Duncan uh, is, I mean, I've known, how long have I known you since? 1991? 90, 90, 94, I think. 94? Oh, yes, yes, of course, 94. Yeah. Right. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Okay. Which photograph shall you start with? There's this one that has a, a car coming down the highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we go with that one? Sure. So why don't you describe it? Yeah. It was <laughs> so. It was a, it was a rainy night, uh, which is uh, uh, often a, sort of a the the uh, time that I go out and shoot. Uh, and uh, I headed out of the city, and I was on um, on a highway uh, that cuts through uh, a national park, about twenty minutes from Ottawa. But it, it, it's you, you feel like you're really out in the country. And um, I was uh, the the when they built the highway, they cut through a mountain. And uh, in order to make the, the hill a little less steep. And so I was about two thirds of the way down that hill uh, looking up it. And uh, so you can see the rock cuts on either side of the highway, but it's all illuminated by, um, by a car, the headlights of a car that is, uh, has just come over the, the crest of the hill and is coming down towards, uh, towards where I was with my camera. Um, the picture has um, this sort of, bright glare of the, the headlights of this car and then um, the headlights and taillights of that car and maybe a couple of others that were up the highway were illuminating the rock walls um, primarily because there was a fair bit of mist and and, uh, and rain in the air. So the picture's quite, I guess it's got, you know, in the sky there's quite a lot of texture. Um, the rock faces have quite a lot of texture and then there's this sort of, it feels something like a laser beam or something kind of coming towards you in the in the it's sort of in the in the middle of the photograph. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, that, I mean, that's sort of, you know, how I would describe that picture. Right, right. There's so much to talk about, and I have so many questions, and I don't know where to start because it's 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 sure. amazing. Well, so go ahead. I guess that first of all, the reason I chose that picture was, you know, it's it's a technical shooting at night is pretty challenging. Um, shooting in the rain is kind of difficult. It's hard on my equipment. So my choice, like when I go and shoot and it's raining or whatever, it's it's really because um, the the effect of the rain or the effect of fog or snow that they tend to sort of have an impact on the ability to actually see the subject. Mm-hmm. So they, it tends to kind of fog the the subject and, and make it uh, a little bit difficult to see and. That's kind of what I, I guess if I were to say I have a, a kind of an approach to photography, that's what it is. It's, it's essentially I'll, I'll choose a subject and then I'll try to figure out circumstances in which that subject is somehow being dissolved by mm-hmm. something. So rain, fog, snow, these things sort of dissolve a subject pretty well in, 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 or can anyway, as does light. Like depending on your position when you're taking a photo – the light itself, like if you backlight something, for instance, um, it can also dissolve your subject. So in, so in this particular picture, there are two things happening. One, there's this beam of light that's kind of shooting towards the, the camera. Um, and then, of course, there's also the rain, which is making everything a little bit kind of hazy and a little bit washed out. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, I think, about, about you and what sort of what I associate with, with you is very like cinematic, cinematographic, however you want to call it, cinematic, that 
in a way, I, I, I feel like this could be a still from a very moody film. And I know because I kind of I kind of know that that you think about this stuff and you definitely you're immersed in, in, in the language of, of cinema. And that image is essentially you're making a photograph up, up a highway. And on the one hand, it's, it sounds so, so, so banal but on the other hand the the light is a starburst it's like it's it's very arresting and i can see why why you like this image right but the question the question back to the show is okay i said well can you send me an image that speaks to you as to where your brain is and where your thinking is and where you are i don't know just in your life at this moment so if you were to step back and say and make the connection between this image and and where you are in your life. What connections can you make? Because I, I find sure. that amazing. So that's a, a thank you, first of all. And I, I think I mean you're right. Like I, I think anybody who takes pictures. I mean maybe there are people who are, uh, really have a great deal of control uh, of, of what happens. But for many of us, you know, I'll shoot a lot of pictures and I'll try to put myself in a position in a situation, let's say, that uh, kind of connects to, I guess, connects to a mood. I guess that's the main thing. Like the, the notion of, you know, a, a subject being dissolved by something. I kind of like putting myself in these positions where what it is that I'm looking at kind of has a bit of a dreamlike quality. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit, it's a little bit difficult maybe to understand it or, or to, to necessarily know exactly what it is because it's being kind of hidden by, you know, as I've said that, you know, the, the rain or the backlight or whatever, I take a lot of pictures and then I'll go through the pictures. And I think you're right. Like I'll, ch I'll try to choose the ones, the ones that I share in any event. Um, I'll, I'll try to choose them on the basis of them sort of feeling a little bit like a moment in a story. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know exactly always what the story is, but there might be a, a sense that it could be almost like a film still, as mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. you know, this is, you know, this car is coming from somewhere, it's going somewhere. And based on the way the picture looks, uh, that's not good. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> this guy's coming from somewhere bad, he's headed somewhere bad, or, uh, clearly he's, he's this, this person driving this car is, you know, cutting through a, a challenging situation. Whatever it happens, whatever the story happens to be, and to be totally honest, I just made that up on the spot. <laughs> no, I don't. I, know. Of course. I, I, don't they... I don't really remember the the, the story behind that sure. one. But for sure, I, I do try to kind of sort of set up a picture so that when you look at it, you know, if you're if you're kind of studying it, maybe there's sometimes maybe there's a story. Right. Sometimes I'm not really looking well, for that. Sometimes it's just kind of a mood. So yeah. to back, but your 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 bigger question, like uh, emotionally, like where does this come from? I had done. You and I know each other from uh, doing poetry and spoken word and performance stuff back in the 90s and uh, I, you know both of us have gone in in uh, certain directions like you've put out books you've done a uh, photographic series I've done some of those same things or I've done different things I did in 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 the mid uh, 2000s I did a master's in, in fine arts uh, which was very um, I was sort of focused on very sort of conceptual and kind of landscape videos and uh, it was often a bit of a political statement I was trying to make and, and I, I frankly got um, fed up because I come up with these interesting concepts, but they're very boring to put it into place. Like I'd make a movie that lasted 14 hours and I can tell you editing a 14 hour movie is, first of all, it takes a lot of equipment. It takes a lot of time and often it's really boring. And mm -hmm. I, I just got sort of fed up and then I just stopped. Mm -hmm. I just completely stopped doing that altogether. And a number of years later, I'm a, I'm a family man. I've got, I've got two daughters and uh, I was married. And in 2015, my, my, uh, my wife left. 
and we've been together. I mean, you you know who I'm talking about. We've you've known her since uh, since we've met, actually. Mm-hmm. And so we were together for about 20 years. Most of that time, we are married. And and of course, you know, anybody who's listening and has gone through a separation or a divorce, it's it's always there's a sort of a violence to it. It's a, it's it's awful. And I found myself entirely adrift. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was kind of floating uh, off the ground. And that fall. So the fall of 20, 2015, um, I started taking pictures. And I, I can remember very specifically seeing subjects being illuminated or seeing myself in reflection and, or seeing my shadow or seeing, uh, ob- observing something around me which was peculiar and I would capture it usually with my phone. So I didn't have a, as good a camera back then. But I can also remember that being very much like, oh, wow, I, I still exist. Mm-hmm. There was this feeling that I would take these pictures. I would, I would see myself in backlight or I would have the, the sun shimmering in a certain way. And what I would see would be this, this feeling of this kind of this shimmery kind of magic dreams that I was living in. But at the same time, I felt like, oh, okay, I, I am here. I am solid. I am, I'm made of something. Mm-hmm. And that became what I wanted to, that was my, that became my, what I wanted to film. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I wanted this, this sort of feeling that I barely existed, that, that me as a subject had become, had dissolved to the point of just being kind of a shimmery something. Yeah. And everything I saw around me felt the same way. Like everything I looked at felt like it was just kind of barely existed. Right. And so, and so that, that sort of continues to be that continues to be kind of what it is I'm trying to capture in mm-hmm. my pictures. One of the people I, I had a, a sort of podcast with, uh, Louise Farney, she was like, a, like in a way like you, a commercial, uh, commercially successful graphic artist. Uh, what's interesting there is, is for her the 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 role of of her creative expression for dealing with her pain, and, and I think interpretation and internalization of, of what's going on in her life you know that sounded a bit of a bit like what you were sort of like to hear echoes of that in what you were saying right it's what i was just sort of laughing about was that uh, you were describing a woman who, who takes photographs and then turns them into paintings that, that are hyper realistic something that people sometimes comment on my pictures is that they they look like paintings mm-hmm. if i was to you know the, the sort of landscape uh, paintings of the of the 1800s, uh, Turner, for example, and the, the sort of these incredible skies and the the sky almost like crushing the land below it, that that kind of thing. The, for sure, that's um, something that I, I sometimes see when I'm I'm you know I'm working on I'm doing my post production work uh, in in a picture. The, the, that picture in particular, one of the things that I do when I take pictures, I often kind of push my camera a little bit to to its extremes, mm-hmm. um, by which I mean, I, I don't want to get too technical, but you know, essentially a camera is a, a way of capturing light, right? Um, and there are a couple of tools for that. One is the aperture, which is like the iris in your, in your eye. And the, you know, the, the, the uh, more open it is, the more light it lets in, but at the same time, it shortens the depth of field. So if you have a very wide aperture, 
and you're taking a portrait of somebody, for example, their nose might be in focus, but their eyes might not be in focus. Like if you've got, and the, the, the lens that I work with most often is uh, a lens that has a wide aperture like that. Mm-hmm. The challenge with most lenses, I mean, unless maybe, you know, you're buying like really, really high end lenses is when you have the aperture really wide open, it tends to let in some, it tends to have some fragment or it has some the edges get a little bit blurred or vignetted or something. So that it, it, that's what I mean by putting a stress. Mm-hmm. The other stress, um, another way that your camera deals with light is it has a, a setting, which is the sensitivity, uh, which is in film photography is called the ISO. And the higher the ISO, the more grain there is in your picture. When you're taking pictures at night, you, it's good to open your aperture. It's also good to have a higher ISO. This, but what, what this means is when you look at the picture up close, it's really, it's really grainy mm-hmm. and it's kind of burned out. And that's another way that you're kind of playing a little bit with the, I don't know, with the subject. You're, you're yeah. sort of dissolving sure. the subject using your camera. I really want to share uh, more about how you tick and who you are in terms of my uh, in terms of our relationship because I've always known you as being rooted in some kind of narrative I guess of t- of telling some kind of story but it not necessarily sure. being very uh, literal like it was very, it's also kind of poetic narrative so do you make sure. a link between performance because we did that for such a long time and and your image making or they're kind of separated so it's a it's an interesting question um so your your question was about uh, about performance, and I just I wanted to make a little interjection here. I'm holding in my hands uh, a little book that's held together with uh, three bolts uh, called "M Fass Is a Book of Love." <laughs> Copyright Ranel Fassi, 1997, Montreal, and it has a dedication. Please, Scott, please read all the lines between the lines made while we made, and how warm can memory feel. You're a very good writer. <laughs> Shooting it raw, it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, a, it's a really beautiful little book. I, it's, it's all about love. It's great. Um, so, okay, so I come back to your, to come back to your, uh, to your question about performance. So I don't know if this is performance exactly, but what I was, uh, what I was uh, thinking was that when I take a picture. Uh, I see, you know, whatever it is I'm looking at, uh, and there's a, there's a, you know, objectively what my eyes will allow me to see. And then of course there's a subjective layer on top of that. So, you know, depending on what mood I'm in or depending on what I've experienced or where I'm at in my life. So I described earlier, this kind of like coming out of a challenging separation and feeling like I was completely lost. And, and so the, the, the sort of the, that subjective layer for a long time was I'm in a dream state. I, I, everything feels like it's unreal. And how can I find a way to capture it? And I've kind of tried to keep that, that idea of subjectivity alive. So I take a picture, I've got, I've got a, I've got a really nice camera with a, a couple of really nice lenses. And then I do quite a lot of post-production work on my pictures. And so post-production work is really a question of balancing the lights, uh, the, you know, the levels and so on, the, the color, the, the white balance and so on. So a, a sky, just to give a, a simple example, if you shoot a sky in a city at night, it's kind of yellowy green. And it's often not particularly impressive the way it comes out in your in your photograph before you spend a little bit of time finding the actual light that you saw or the light that you felt. So, in a sense, my 
my work on my pictures, I try to be very honest. Like I try to, I try to really honestly say, this is what I see knowing that part of what I see is also what I'm feeling. It's not just what I actually see. If there's a mood, uh, maybe that's where the mood comes mm-hmm. from. Part of the reason I chose that picture in particular, uh, to share with you and, you know, hopefully other people will see it somehow. There was a certain in, kind of an intensity. And at the time that I took that picture, I had, uh, I had not long before that done a ayahuasca retreat. I don't know if you're familiar with ayahuasca, but it's a, it's a, it's a psychedelic plant from South America. Uh, and, uh, it's a bit like, uh, it has an, an effect like LSD or magic mushrooms or whatever, but it's not really taken in a, in a party circumstance. It's taken in a more sort of ceremonial way. So you do it in a retreat and there's a, there's an intention to what you're doing and you go, you drink this tea and then you go on a, a fairly intense or really intense journey. And that journey helps you understand more about, you know, yourself or helps you sort of through struggles you might be having, whatever. Hmm. And I came out of doing that. Uh, and like, all of a sudden the world around me became considerably more intense. Okay. I, like colors were brighter. Everything was imbued with meaning where there had really hadn't been meaning mm-hmm. before. It felt for, you know, maybe a two month period after I'd, I'd taken this almost like it was in, I was living in one of those dreams where, you, you know, in a dream where uh, a person walks into the room, you don't necessarily know what that, who that person is or whatever, but they, they're, they're really significant for some mm-hmm, reason that, mm-hmm. that you know, the, the, oh yes, well, this is, this is really bad that this mm-hmm. person is now here. This is really bad or it's fantastic. This person has showed up or whatever it happens to be. But so everything was kind of imbued with this sort of magic intensity. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, that picture has this kind of like zapping kind of thing happening. Well, you know, that was kind of what I saw. You you know, there's that whole, um, sort of perspective or or way people talk about photography is, and and this is true for people doing selfies, you know, this is true for, for all pictures, right? Like even the, the crappy, like group photo, whatever it is, right. That your whole experience in your life is what it kind of shapes why like your intention and why you stopped and why you kind of put the fo- the camera forward and then look through the thing and just expected to create an image or um, <clears throat> to freeze the, the scene in front of you and that your whole, you know, it's this idea that your whole life history and experience informs your action to sort of trip the shutter. Um, so, you know, the very fact that you, so you're driving, it's raining, you've got your camera gear in the car, it's wet. You you're, you just came out of that retreat, so colors are super rich and intense, and then you come up onto the scene, and so you have the idea that, you know, you looked up the, the highway, and so for at least a uh, hundred meters, uh, that's about a hundred yards. So a hundred <laughs> meters, you're looking up, and you're like, oh shit, okay, I'm gonna stop the car. So you pull over to the side of the road, and then you get out of the car, and and in a way, that's that that's part of the image making experience, right? Where you're walking around in the street, and you're like, you have your camera in your hand. And, and then you may, you may have taken a whole bunch of, of, of images, but the one that you settled on was the one that's framed like this. Well, what I think you just said is that, that uh, a, a photograph is a document of a performance. Okay. In a way. In a way. You don't actually see, you don't see the performance, you see what the performer sees. Right, right. Uh, I mean, I think that's what you said. I like. I mean, I, I think it's a very generous idea to think that you know, <laughs> any choice, uh, 
anytime you 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 click the shutter, uh, that's a that's a that's a uh, evidence of your entire life subconscious set of choices. Subconscious, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, sure. I I I I can tell you, like, I take piles of really shit photographs <laughs> that nobody ever sees. Right? So I, I think <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> you know, I guess the reality is that I yeah, I, I, sure, yeah. I, I guess it is. I guess I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not right. trying to convince you. I'm just this, I'm just no, sort no, of. I mean, I, maybe it's a selfish thing, and, and maybe the, the the pictures that I take that are, I'm about the way I describe this experience, maybe they're not my strongest pictures. I'm not sure, I know, I, and I'm, that's probably the, probably fair enough to say. But sometimes I'll think, oh, I really want to. I'm really vibing out at this moment. I'm really, whoa, this is this is like the heat, the sun mm-hmm. is setting. That old dude over there, you know, cutting cactus branches or whatever it is. I had wherever situation in I, in, I had, in Hull, yes, in, in yeah, in, in Ottawa. No, I mean, I like I was. <laughs> I, I recently was. I was down in Mexico. And okay. I, I was, I was thinking of these sort of scenes where the sun's setting and it's all dusty and it's sure. and I'm I'm just like wow this is such a cool feeling I just want to take a picture of this mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. you know I want everybody to have this feeling yeah. I'm having the the challenge of course is that a picture kind of has to have a subject of some sort or it has to people have to be able to hook on to something because they're not necessarily anywhere near the feeling I have mm-hmm. uh, when uh, when I might have chosen that right. a particular right. photograph okay so let me um, pull back some more. Some more, some more. Let's just let's just uh, leave the camera and the photographs on the table and just step outside and just go for a walk. So I create this podcast and now that's given me the excuse to kind of reach out beyond the mere sort of uh, little like, hey, how are you doing over Facebook? A little like message here, message there, but to actually dive into a deep conversation with people. And in a way, it's a, it's a treat. Um, for me, it's a treat because you and I have not spoken extensively for for a few years uh, how about you describe like okay the camera pans over and sees a fellow called scott duncan sitting in, in his chair surrounded by pine or whatever it is so why don't you describe the scene of how i'm talking to you and and what's your environment of you talking to me the environment uh well first of all it's true our, our conversations over the past number of years have been kind of transactional so it's nice to have a deeper chat um I mean, it's bringing back all kinds of memories. Somehow, mm-hmm. somehow, this. I mean, we're you're, we're recording this during a really extraordinary lockdown in Canada around the COVID nineteen. In the I world, know, in the in world, the world. I, 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 get the, <laughs> I get the feeling it's kind of you guys have kind of gone over the over the hump, but in Hong Kong, but um, no, here it's, we're it's, really it's just as it's bad. Back. It's just as bad. Yeah. Given what's happening right now with with the the virus and the you know the scare in terms of trying to make sense and, and recover where do you, I mean, do you, can you make a connection between your images as a source of, um, commentary on what's happening or is that just too, too pedantic and too kind of like, uh, why even bother? Uh, no, I think that's, that's, uh, that's good. You know, I mean, so I actually, I did the other day go out, uh, early in the morning and, and I, I went, I went to Parliament Hill I was disappointed to see how many workers there were. There were tons of like people not doing proper social distancing and so on. But you know, there was a, there was this old fellow huddled on a. There's this flame, this sort of eternal flame idea, and he, and he was obviously a homeless guy, and he was kind of huddled on the on the edge of this sort of. Uh, I don't know what you call it, like there's a, around the flame, there are plaques and so on. And there's quite a lot of heat that comes off it, and so he was kind of keeping himself warm there, and. I, I took some pictures of that I t- with things in the background again, kind of in the in the 
it was, it was foggy, rainy that morning again. And of course, I was, you know, I had in my mind, you know, the COVID-19, I, I, first of all, I'll say that I feel very fortunate to be in Canada because we have a, a, a relatively uh, well-organized um, society. Uh, we have a relatively well-organized and effective central government, which I know is not the case in, you know, much of the world. It's, I mean, I was recently in Mexico and, you know, God help them. <laughs> it's going to be tough yeah. for them. Um, and at the same time, I was aware that the response of, of the government of Canada has been very, um, has been very, uh, you know, quick and, and, and in many respects, very consistent and very, very generous in, in, in many ways in terms of trying to help uh, Canadians in addressing this. And then, you know, I look at this, this homeless fellow and I think, oh, wow, it's going to be really hard on people like him. Mm-hmm. Are they, is he staying out of the shelters because he doesn't want to get sick? It's cold here in the winter, as mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody knows. Um, and it's still winter, unlike much, much of the world. Um, and... Uh, and then I think of other communities, like for example, Canada has a, a, an abysmal history in the way it treats its indigenous, the indigenous population in the country, and they really need to holler to be heard. Like it's it's hard to the, they kind of get forgotten, or you know if they're not forgotten, the, the delivery of services in, in indigenous communities is often really challenging. And if they're far up north, it's expensive. That's you know flying planes up, it's hard to get nurses and doctors and. So I kind of am aware of the the sort of the, the weaknesses in our system. I'm, I'm quite concerned about that. I, though you know, I I, I do want to you know underscore the fact that we're very very fortunate in this yeah, country. Sure, you know, I, I, there aren't that many countries where the, the response will be as good as here. For sure. Um, I mean, I'm listen. Go Canada. You know, so for example, one of the people I spoke to is, is my sister who moved to the U.S. right for work and to be with her husband. And she's in Savannah. And so she's a pediatrician. So she's like, you know, a physician in, the, you know, in dealing in the community with kids showing up sick and <clears throat> how to, how to respond to them and, and sort of the balance of how, how care over there is delivered. So the fact that, that you're conscious of, of how fortunate, um, Canadian society is. Yeah, totally. One of the things of coming back after so long is to realize Canada's hard, man. It's a hard place to live in. It's not easy. It is so not easy. And I think Canadians are kind of used to it. And so it's kind of like, okay, we just deal. But dude, it is fucking hard to live in that kind of uh, climate. Uh, and Canadians just do it. And, but you know, you're hardy people. Like, for example, we get on the Zoom call and I'm in my shorts and a t shirt. And I'm kind of like, yeah, my feet are cold. It's clammy. He was like, it's 25 degrees. And then I look at you. You're like, please describe what you're wearing. <laughs> well, actually, I'm, I'm uh, mostly I'm wearing, you know, very, very cozy sweatpants. Listen, one thing I, I, I want all the people listening to this uh, to understand is we heat our homes in right, Canada. Right. We waste enormous amounts of energy right. heating our homes. So they're actually... I was in Mexico in, in January in Mexico City. And, you know, Mexico, what do you think? Heat, beaches, blah, blah, blah. Mexico City in January, nobody has a friggin' space heater mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. I That's was like Hong freezing. Kong. That's like Hong Kong. It's freezing because it drops to like four degrees at night. Mm-hmm. And then during the day, it warms up to 19 or something. Wait, wait. I, 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 have to, I have to translate that into American. Four degrees Celsius is something like 832 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah. 
It's about 40, I think. <laughs> Maybe 38 Fahrenheit. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so, you know, I'm wearing probably about the same as you and my feet are warm um, because I heat my house. Yeah. No, uh, that's the same like, thing. It, so, I mean, if, if you think it's tough because of the, the climate, it's true. I mean, it's not... It's not uh, it's not an easy it's not easy in that sense for sure. I mean, I, I think I think another thing which is is true of this country, and I think it's true of other places too. For instance, um, you know, northern Italy or France, the, the social networks are very tight, mm. um, and so it's hard to get on the inside. And when you are on the inside, you don't people aren't so inclined to let other people on the inside. So we're very friendly mm-hmm. in Canada, but we're not particularly but it's closed in mm-hmm. a way. It doesn't yeah. seem closed, but I, and I, I know this is the this is the experience that a lot of immigrants, for example, have when they move here. It's like, what is going on? You know, mm-hmm. like why can't I get a break? You know, mm-hmm. and it's I, in in some respects, I think it's related. To, that's probably related to you know other issues too. But sure. that that I think is certainly something that as a, like let's say I'm a born here, I'm, I'm white, I'm relatively well educated, blah blah blah. You know, if I move from one city to another it, it, in, in in Canada. In some ways, I have all the privileges of, of, of you know, the, what that what that brings. But at the same time, I'm not connected to those networks, sure. uh, and uh, and it takes a long time to fight your way into them if you're if you're from the outside. So mm-hmm. that that's certainly a, a feature of uh, life in this country. That we is, are currently way off uh, topic from what we were just. There is no topic. There is no right. topic. I mean, we, like like we start with a, with a, with a photograph, and then who knows where we end up? No, it's it's really so, good. Go ahead. What's up? So I, I've got your book here, and it's an it's a it's a subject it's it's a meditation on love. I would say. Oh, um, listen to how dumb the, and naive I used to be. Well, the I loves by degree, measured by the exclamation point. In a way, the exclamation point, not written out, but the actual exclamation point. In a way, the exclamation point is the measure of the I. Mm-hmm. The more I loves you, the more exclamation point there is. Again, the more the exclamation point, the more the I suggests a personal growth by I. It's really lovely. It's great. Oh, she's sweet. <laughs> You're so nice. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I am. I deep down, I was an old man in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you were some kind of Buddhist wizard when you wrote that, for sure. <laughs> not not taking any kind of uh, uh, drugs or anything at all. Um, <laughs> Hey, look, hey, Scott. For, look, this uh, this podcast is going to happen for for a long time, and I want to have you on again because as you you know, as you mature and as so, okay. So how, let's just end on that note, okay? For somebody like in your case, you have these stunning images, you have a, a, a clear sort of aesthetic and a, a kind of a series that you could bring to a gallery. Do you have such a space right now or beyond Instagram? How, how are you letting the world know you exist? Well, <laughs> or not that you exist, that your work exists. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, one of the other reasons that I chose the picture of the, of the, of the car coming down the hill was I put up a series. There are four, I think in that, in that series. And all of a sudden, um, I got a message from a guy who owns a gallery down in New York city. He's a, he's a guy I've known for a long time. He's like, Holy shit, Scott! I had no idea. You know, I I, I, I had no idea this was your, what your photography was like. Forgive me, I you know I haven't looked. At, and then I, you know someone else who's a collector in Toronto did the same thing. She wrote, you know, when can we buy one? Mm-hmm. And 
And so I, I thought, because it was really just around that one, that one series. And the, the guy, so here's my COVID-19 story, my COVID-19 sob story. He's like, okay, we're going to show you down here, you know, and we're going to get some of your pieces up. And I was like, great, man, mm-hmm. I get to show my, show some photos in New York City. This is, so it's, it's a dream come true. And then, <laughs> and then, and then COVID-19 happens. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the pictures were a while back. It was, it, we were just getting ready to print them. He was going to do a show. Oh, wow. You know, and, wow. That's and, commitment. Uh, and then okay. it's like, he, he shuddered. He just, he shut the whole thing down. And he's like, I'm moving back to Canada. It's, it's, it's <laughs> pretty, I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not kidding. He's like, I'm, I'm bringing, it's a shit show. I mean, it is a total shit show wow. in New York. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah. You, there's nobody going to art galleries. Right. Of course. And this, so, I mean, there are other galleries and, you know, we're going to, the world will not be this, this much of a, of a quarantined gong show for long, but so you know, people will go to galleries again, people will buy art. It's a, it's, it's kind of constant. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but that was my first. Oh damn! Yeah, so close. Oh, you, COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Close. So close. Yeah. But look, you know, it's like with the performances, right? Like, and actually, what a great place to end. You know, we did a performance on a highway. So the five of us go. That's it's true. like there's snow on the ground. Who knows? Like people are driving by, you know, at a hundred kilometers an hour. That's fifty-five miles. And uh, you know, I think. And then um, we're just doing this performance. To, to the sky, to the, or to what, you know, to the highway. To the highway. And, uh, yeah, and, it was and, called a, a love story to the Decarry Expressway. Exactly. And so, yeah. but here's the thing I, I firmly believe that just keep putting the work out there. And you never know, you never know who's going to turn around and see it. So who knows? Uh, shooting it raw may just, may just be my little pet project that goes nowhere. But maybe somebody's <laughs> going to see your image and say, this Scott Duncan fellow. I like this Scott Duncan fellow. We have to contact him and purchase his, his material. So, yeah, I, if I can help, for sure. Thanks. Of Thank course. You. Well, I mean, okay. So, if you want to go look at them, just look up Tabula Raza. The um, link will be then. the link will be there for sure. There you go. And I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not here to plug stuff. Who, no, I am. I am. But okay. So, Scott Duncan, I love you. You think you're an amazing person. That you know, our sort of friendship began in 1993, as you say performance you're like an elder brother uh you're the one with the motorcycle and now i have a motorcycle um thank you so much and uh we'll have more we'll have you more on the show and i want you to have a great day and a great evening and thanks so much paul scott thank you okay take it easy man it was really nice talking to you okay Gratitude and a sense of humor go a long way.